The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Welcome to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal some entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by Dynamic Manufacturing. Since 1955, Dynamic Manufacturing has a relentless commitment to quality and customer service when it comes to your automotive needs. They've been named General Motors Supplier of the Year 22 times. And whether it's remanufacturing, machining, electrification, motorsports, and much more, there's nothing Dynamic Manufacturing can't do. Find them on the web at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. And by Raul Jewelers, who offer the finest in rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and much more since 1982. They specialize in custom design, so if you're looking for that right gift, especially during the holidays, head to Raul Jewelers on Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates, and they're on the web at rawljewelers.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats. Look for them at polinamarket.com and by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dogs and a landmark institution since 1893. They're located at viennabeef.com. This week, we feature a longtime member of the Chicago Bulls, John Paxson. Where I'm at now at 61, I, I feel really good about uh, what, what's going on, where we're headed, and, and, and what I'm doing. And, and I do feel invested in, in this organization in a way that maybe a lot of people can't realize because, uh, you know, I, I have been fortunate. I mean, who, who, who gets the opportunities that I've gotten uh, in, in one place for, for over 35 years? You know, it, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Did you know John Paxson joined the Bulls in 1985? He signed as a free agent and still remains with the organization, albeit as a consultant, after stepping down as the general manager in April of 2020. During his time with the Bulls, he authored several famous shots, was an assistant coach, radio analyst, and vice president. And then there's a chance meeting with a famous musician. So, John Paxson, tell me a story I don't know. <laughs> I got one story for you, George, that, that not many people know. I once made a video with Jimmy Buffett. Really? Yes. Oh, don't yeah, tell so, me you, you sang? No, no, this is no, this is a story. So this is back <laughs> during our, our championship run in the early 90s. And and Buffett would always come to Chicago, uh, play south of town. I forget at the big uh, the big outdoor you know, theater. And at the time we had a, a guy named Dave Curlin in our front office who was very good friends with uh, one of the guys that, that toured with, with Jimmy. And, and so uh, we were winning. And one day I get a phone call saying, because, because he's coming to town and I get a phone call and says, Hey, he'd like to, to tape something for, you know, the video screen at the, the concert that weekend. So I went down and they, they rented out a, a gym. I forget which one it was, but basically I sat there on a, at a, on a chair in a gym holding a guitar. And I've never, I hadn't played guitar before then. I haven't tried to play it since. And he ended up dribbling a basketball around me and doing all sorts of funny things and, you know, shooting while I was basically uh, mouthing the words to cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> And so that weekend uh, at the at the shows, uh, as part of you know, what, you know they they do so much production material at these things. Um, I uh, I was there on the screen, acting like I was singing Cheeseburger in Paradise while while Jimmy was dribbling around me and and making shots. So <laughs> I, I'm thinking to myself, you were teased as a kid for Shakespeare. I'm thinking <laughs> you got to be teased for doing this too. Well, you know what? It was I, 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 I've been a Buffett fan my entire life. And uh, to get that opportunity for me was pretty uh, was pretty cool. I, I'm, I was never comfortable in those situations. I've never been comfortable uh, 
in front of a camera, anything. And so for me to do that, I mean, it was for me, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I, I took advantage of it. You know, I'd like to know how you're doing today and whether there's any kind of hangover from not basically having any responsibility with the Bulls. <laughs> well, no, there, there's no hangover. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that, um, you know, I've been with the organization a long time and uh, obviously have great respect and for, for Jerry and, and Michael and they've, uh, they've been really good to me. And, and just the fact that I, I can still be around and, you know, have a voice. Uh, I, I will tell you that the relationship with the, you know, the new group, Arturis and Mark, um, Pat Connolly and JJ Polk, it's really been seamless. Uh, the, the moves were made to, to strengthen our organization going forward. Uh, it was needed. And it's, uh, and I, I'm, I think I'm like a lot of our, our fan base and, and our employees that, that were, you know, we feel really good about the, the future of our organization. But for me personally, um, I still enjoy going into the gym, watching practice. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed very much getting to know Billy Donovan and his staff. Uh, it's, it's, as, it's as good a foundation that this organize, organization has had in a long, long time. And so, you know, from my seat, who, you know, from, from trying for many, many years to, you know, be a part of this thing and, and try to get us into a position where I'm at now at 61, I, I feel really good about uh, what, what's going on, where we're headed and, and, and what I'm doing. So you're not really divorced totally from the organization. You, it sounds to me as if you, you need to have some kind of contact with it. Well, I do. And, and I'm, I'm not one of those guys that if I didn't have anything to do, I, I don't know what I do. You know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't have any big time hobby that, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to do certain things, but I, I'm not one of these guys. Like I saw Tony Kukoc the other day, he was in Washington practice and, you know, Tony's one of those guys that he could play golf seven days a week and, and really does. I'm, I'm not that guy. Um, I, I like being around a team. I like being in the gym. I like watching, you know, young players grow and develop. And, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I still think I'm, I'm studying the game every time I, I watch, you know, a, a coach teach something or, you know, players out there on the floor. So, and, and I do feel invested in, in this organization in a way that maybe a lot of people can't realize because, uh, you know, I, I have been fortunate. I mean, who, who, who gets the opportunities that I've gotten, uh, in, in one place for, for over 35 years, you know, it, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. So, um, yeah, I, I feel, I feel really good about, uh, the future of, of our organization. And, and I've really been impressed with, with our tourists and how he, he handles situations, uh, you know, his, his preparation, his attention to, to detail. And, and, but he's also a guy that doesn't take himself so seriously that he, you know, you, you can sit there and joke with him. He's just, he's just a normal, good dude. So um, we're, we're in really good hands. And uh, I, I hope that the, the result of all of this is that we get back to, you know, first you have to get back to a, a competitive level where you're making the playoffs and, and then, then you can build off of that. And I, I think we've made a huge step in that direction. This is going to air when the season is underway, but the offseason moves to complement the trade for Vucevic were swift and striking. I'm wondering what you think about them. Well, I, what I think about them is that they were aggressive. And it's, it's something that, you know, when we, when we made the decision four years ago to, to basically retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, we traded, traded Jimmy away and we, we got uh, – Zach and, and the pick that netted us Lowry at the time, you know, the mindset, at least my mindset was patience, uh, you know, statistics, which I don't often pay a lot of attention to tell you that a rebuild can take, you know, quite a while. Um, I, I had hoped more along the lines of when I first got the job in 2003, we were able to, to really turn that thing around quickly, but but that was five years after the championships and, you know, and, and the organization had been trying to rebuild for quite a while. 
So I, I was, my mindset had been one of trying to be patient, but the, we weren't getting results. And I'm the, the first one to admit that and own it. Um, so what Arturis did and Mark at the, you know, starting at the trade deadline last year and going out and acquiring Vooch and, and giving up, you know, draft assets, that was, that was a bold and aggressive move, but it, but it did set up uh, the ability for us to, to do some things that we've done this off season. I hear the word we more often than not. It seems like they just can't take the Chicago Bulls out of your blood. <laughs> well, I, and then, no, I, I'm always going to be a bull, um, you know? So uh, yeah, I, I, uh, again, it goes back to, you know, being lucky in terms of having had these opportunities over the years and I've never taken it for granted. And I've always tried to do what's in the best interest of the organization dating back to, to when I was here as a player and, you know, and, and I feel very fortunate that I did play at a time where we, we had the opportunity really to, to grow as a group. You know, I, I get here in 85, uh, October of 85, and I actually signed my contract. The, team, the, the season had already started because I was, I was a free agent at the time, and uh, everything was so much different back then. But uh, I was kind of sitting back in Ohio, kind of waiting. I, a couple teams were interested. A, a, a guy that I didn't know uh, kept calling me named Jerry Krause, who kept saying, hang in there, wait, you know, we're, we're going to figure this out. And, uh, and so one day in October, I get a call and, and I've got to deal with, with the bulls. And I flew into Los Angeles the day after Michael broke his foot up in uh, golden state. Oh yeah. And, and I, and I basically walked in the Marriott as Michael was taking a walking out to catch a flight back to Chicago to get his, his foot repaired. And, you know, we, we all know he missed a, most of that season came back and, and then, you know, had that incredible game in, in uh, Boston garden where he had the 63 points in the playoffs. Jordan with eight on the clock. Jordan ties the game. Oh boy. 63 points. And you're looking at an all time record. Oh boy. Michael Jordan and a hard fought victory for the Boston Celtics to take a two to nothing lead over Chicago in their best of five. Our Miller Lite most valuable player of the game is Michael Jordan with an all-time record 63 points in a single playoff game. Um, but, but my point was this, is that I, I feel fortunate that I played in that era where we as a team were able to, to really grow together. Um, you know, we took our, our hits along the way as well-documented with Detroit, but I, I feel... I feel lucky we we had to go through that, you know, and we were in a time where you you could you could actually get away with that because there was no there there was not not that an organization would ever feel outside pressure, but the amount of noise today with with all the uh, with you know the the internet and talk radio and the the amount of noise that's out there pointed in the direction of organizations all the time now that everybody wants the quick result the fact that we were able to do that over a period of time get to where we were a championship caliber team that that was important to me i i i think as much as anything i learned the value of sacrificing and, and kind of hurting with the group when you'd lose and it was it was really a special time i'm really grateful for that time Listen up, OEMs. First impressions are lasting ones. Dynamic Manufacturing's impressive complex in Hillside, Illinois, includes nearly a million square feet of operating space. I had a chance to view some of it, and I was overwhelmed by the organization, technology, and dedicated workforce. Dynamic Manufacturing provides solutions for engineering, manufacturing, machining, and logistics, and they can re-energize your electric and energy storage systems. They can machine any project, no matter the size. And when it comes to motorsports, they're your trusted partner for chasing podiums with their custom torque converters. Dynamic Manufacturing is your one-stop for all your remanufacturing needs, and they can't wait to engineer a custom solution for getting maximum value from experienced parts. Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do. (laughs) 
The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with John Paxson on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I want to take you back to the time when you said enough was enough. I'm done. Time for someone else to take this job. How tough it was it for you to make that decision when you finally determined, you know what? I've had it. No, it, it, it wasn't tough at all, um, to be honest with you, uh, because I had been looking at things over a period of time. Um, and, you know, the, to be candid, the perception of our organization was poor. And it, it just, we, we had gotten into to a point where everything had become negative from the outside in. And, and there were even things inside the organization that, that were, were not what it needed to be. You know, it's, it's not uncommon and it's not unlike a lot of things where sometimes a new voice, a new perspective is needed uh, for, for a group to, to change and to look at things differently. And I, I felt that we had become somewhat complacent and comfortable as an organization. And uh, so, you know, as when I went and, and kind of brought those things up, um, I believed them and, and I thought it was the right thing for us to do. Did Michael or Jerry try to talk you out of it? No, J- Jerry has always been, you know, he, he, he'd always say to me, you know, you're being hard on yourself, but that's the way it should be. And I think Michael saw it as an opportunity. And what I saw him do was, you know, he, he went out and really kind of researched how other organizations were set up and uh, looked at people around the league who had good reputations in the basketball community. And, um, and, and he started really diving into the, the idea of change and um, criticism has never really bothered me. The thing that bothered me was, was the, the perception of the, the Chicago Bulls. And I, I didn't like the fact that we were written about poorly, uh, honestly, that our fan base wasn't enamored with, you know, w- what we were doing. Um, and that, 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 those are the kind of things that, that really did bother me. And I, I felt it was, it was the right time. I, I, I could not, I honestly couldn't, couldn't handle the fact that, that the bulls were looked upon negatively and, and knew that there needed to be change. Was it a relief for you to walk away? No, <laughs> no, it wasn't really? a relief at all. No, no. I, I think people can look at it that way, but no. Um, I think you can look at it this way. Like a lot of people, when you invest a lot of time, a lot of energy, your kind of your heart and soul, you you want it to work out so badly, right? I mean, you you just do. And you know, I, I often got got a hard time from people when I would even dare to bring up the fact that that we had a really good thing going, and Derek got hurt. Bypass the, the harder team in Miami. Oh, oh, Rose came down bad on his left foot. See him holding on to his knee, holding on to his knee and down. He was flying and he came down wrong on the left foot. Now, whether it was an ankle or a knee, I do not know. I never felt I was using it as an excuse. I was trying to point out that, you know, we can, you know, people can make an argument that, you know, things are going poorly, but I can at least make an argument that that there were reasons and we had we were on a really good track and you know after Derek got hurt and uh, you know the struggles the hurdle the the hurdles he had coming back to to good health um, you know doing the knee a a second time not not the ACL but you know having another injury to it and and how that um, was so tough on him mentally and what that meant to our team that you know that's just reality we we were you know the one year we were uh three wins away from going to the NBA finals again, you know, when we were playing Miami um, after winning the first game. And, you know, the next year we had the best record in the league. So I'm not going to apologize for that stuff. Uh, I'm really not. So, but to, to answer your question, relief is not the right word. Um, it's 
satisfaction and knowing that you're, you're trying to do what's right for the, the organization. And, you know, only time will tell, but I, I think given the fact that we made these changes last year, right at the beginning of COVID, um, right when that hit and we ended up hiring our tourists and going through that process. And then all the things that he had to navigate, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm, I am glad that, that there was somebody like him and, and his staff, uh, what that what they dealt with every single day was something that would have really been difficult. So they they did they did a heck of a job during during the whole thing last year. You mentioned Derek Rose and, and all of that really began in your second and third season as the general manager when you brought in the likes of Kirk Heinrich, Ben Gordon, Luol Dang, there was Andre Nocioni. Several years later, Joakim Noah in the draft, and of course the lottery ball said the Bulls picked first and you you took Derrick Rose. And honestly, I was there the late afternoon when they were playing that playoff game against Philadelphia. And he went down. And I think all of us just looked at each, you know, we looked at each other at press row and said, this does not look good. I imagine after building a team that you thought really could possibly win a championship, that the pain was different for you than it was for a lot of other people. Well, in those situations, you, you tell yourself this is a part of sports, right? And, you know, and for a, for a good period of time, I think all of us were just kind of numb as to what that could potentially mean. Because, you know, it happened in the playoffs in that, you know, uh, we had the lockout that year. So it was 66 game schedule. And, you know, you figure that, that Derek's not going to be able to play the entire next year, right? I mean, that's, just, that's, that's the way it goes with with the ACLs, but there was also hope that because so many guys come back from that injury, but the, the one thing that, that, uh, you know, Derek's game, especially early in his career was predicated on his speed, his explosiveness and his strength. And that, that was going to be hard for him to get back. I, I will say this, you know, given the separation now that, that has happened, there, there's many of us, my, myself included, that are incredibly happy to see him reinvent himself and have the career that he's he's had and is continues to have now in New York. Former MVP, obviously the injury changed things a bit to see what a great place he is in just playing a role and just a perfect pass to Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, doing vintage roles tonight, fishing, swishing. Tipped by Burks right to Rose. Rose fakes the hesitation, gets inside, layup is good. Sweet move from Derrick Rose, it's back to three. I, I think it's a, a real testament to, to his will and desire to play. Um, when, we, when we moved him that year, to, that, that, was a hard, that was a hard thing to do. I, I think at the end of the day, for, for all sides, it was, it was the right thing, but that, that, was, that was a very difficult thing for us to do. And, and because we, we had great respect for him and, and what he had meant to the, the, the organization and, and what we could have been. I guess in my mind, you know, I envisioned, okay, here's Miami. They've got LeBron, they've got D Wade, they've got Bosch and, and that, you know, Pat Riley at the helm. And, uh, and we just taken him, you know, into the conference finals and we were on a collision course to see him again, the year that Derek got hurt. I, I, in my mind, I saw the Chicago Detroit battles. You know the the ones that that kind of shaped and formed us into champions, and that's kind of what I envision. But uh, but again, that's sports. There, it sometimes happens, and uh, unfortunately for us, that 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 was one of the you know the bad moments in in our uh, in our history. Who doesn't love jewelry? Who wouldn't love Raw Jewelers? Family owned and operated for nearly 40 years, Raw Jewelers offers the very best in fine jewelry and engagement rings, including mined and lab-grown diamonds. And they utilize the latest technology and offer jewelry repair on the premises. Raw Jewelers has a glittering array of rings, necklaces, earrings, bracelets, and watches, and offers custom-designed jewelry on the premises. And if you have the most specific questions, Raw Jewelers has four graduate gemologists on staff. With over 200 years of combined experience and expertise, it's no wonder Raw Jewelers is one of the leading shops of its kind. This is where my wife and I got our wedding bands many years ago, and it's safe to say, when you walk in as a customer, 
you're going to leave as a friend. Raw Jewelers is located at 3001 Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates, right off I-90 West. Raw Jewelers, when only the very best will do. You mentioned LeBron, and the first thing that comes to mind was his free agent tour, which included a stop here. Did you ever think he was serious about wanting to come here? Oh yeah, I, I, we we all did, and and uh, you know they, LeBron and his his uh, his group had made it open that they were they they wanted to to take a look at all the available options. This is Dwayne Wade, who eventually wound up with the Bulls. Yeah. Chicago at the time they had to offer, they had two max contracts, yeah. and they had a young D Rose yeah. before the MVP Rose the yeah. season before. They had a Luau Dane, they had Noah, yeah. they had you know, saying so they had all these pieces. Yeah, so I'm crazy. like, hmm, that crazy in, the, in the city, in Chicago, in the biggest one of the biggest markets. But then it was like, me, ah, you, and D Rose, that's a lot. It's one ball. We yeah. all need it. Yeah. That may be too much. We at the time had enough money to to get a couple of those guys. And remember, we had Derek and we had Joe Keen. We we thought we had the 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 real selling points of how to get it all done. And you know, and, and at the end of the day, I, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to argue with uh, you know going to Miami and and you know what that state has to offer in terms of some benefits for them and. You know, so, but no, we, th we thought we did. And we thought our presentation was, was really good, really professional. And, um, and we, we thought we had a chance until, until the end. Do you ever look back, Pax, and say, if I had only done this, or I wish I didn't do that? <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think we all do. You know, I mean, if we had, a, if we had that, uh, yeah, the, the, we, we had hindsight and we, we, could, we could do things over again. Of course you would. So, of course, there are things I wish it, that uh, we had done differently, decisions, choices we'd made that, that were different. And, uh, but, but, I, but I, you know, I, I do think one of, one of the things that uh, I'm most proud of is when, when Jerry first gave, gave me the job in 2003 that we, we did change the, the thing around quickly. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fond of those, those teams and, and how hard they competed. Um, you know, we obviously had a, we we're on a good path and had a good run. And like they say, all good things come to an end and, and ours did. And, and, you know, a few years ago, there's no question there was time for change. I have to tell you, John, uh, there have been very few individuals during the course of my 48 years of doing this who have been as accessible and upfront as you. Whether there were media people who agreed or disagreed with your methods, I think I can say with good authority, you had the utmost respect from all of us, but it's a trait that doesn't come from thin air. It comes from somewhere. I don't think it's one of those things you learn. So where and when did you develop this personality trait? Well, it's a good question. I, and I don't know if I had to do it all over again. That might be one of the things where I, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been as accessible. Um, you know, but but I when I played, I always had a, you know, it, it, it was so much different back when I played because you didn't have, you know, the, 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 the media was all of you that came, you know, that came to games and we saw your faces every single day and we got, we kind of got to know you and that there, there became a, a lot of ways there were, there was some trust and relationships formed along the way. Um, sometimes not always good because, you know, it was a there, there's confrontation, you know, and when people write or say things, but but it's not like it is now where the, there's so much stuff out there on the internet and bloggers who you never see they can they can write all sorts of things and you know it, it's it's just kind of it's crazy now, but um, I I always felt comfortable trying to be honest and I and I never liked you know necessarily you know talking. A lot. It's why I can never do talk radio or anything like that. Cause I, I just, I don't like hearing myself talk that much. And, uh, but you know, I, I felt it was always important to, to at least give respect to those who were doing their jobs. And as long as they, as long as 
people like yourself and others treated you with respect, then I owed you the respect in return. Now, like in any business, there's a lot of, a lot of people in the media, even back then that, that did not treat you with respect. They, they had to, they, they were out there to create a, a storyline and, mm-hmm. and they just, you know, they would follow that storyline and that's, that's fine. That, that was their prerogative, but that did, but I didn't have to give them the time of day, you know, in return. So, um, but, you know, look, I, I grew up in a, in a great place. I, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, a little town called Kettering. My dad was a huge influence on, on, on all of us. Um, he, he was, as I've, I've talked to my siblings over the years, you know, my, my dad played two years in the NBA. He, he was actually the third pick in the 1956 NBA draft by the Minneapolis Lakers behind Bill Russell and a guy named Sai Hugo Green, who played at Duquesne. And my dad played one year in Minneapolis, uh, was traded to Cincinnati, Cincinnati Royals for a second year. And he was actually having a pretty good second year. But at that time, uh, my, my grandfather, who I'm named after, my mom's dad, toward the end of that season, uh, passed away. And back in those days, those guys were playing five, six months a year. They, they weren't making a whole lot of money. Maybe I think my dad told me at one point he was making six or 7,000 bucks. And um, so they had jobs in the summertime and he worked at the this small little insurance company that my, his father-in-law, my grandfather ran. And when my grandfather passed, my, my dad had just started a family. My mom and dad just started a family and, and dad basically had to say, give up his dream of playing NBA ball and go and, and try to run the, the insurance company. And, and that's what he did for the next 30 years. And, um, he had, a his influence on all of us is, was just his, his work ethic. Cause he's one of these guys that you know, the insurance business was, you know, his personal insurance, it was home auto, those type of things. And, you know, you had to have relationships with people and most days he'd be up before we were out of bed, going to school. And a lot of, a lot of nights he'd be, he'd be home after we were in bed and that's just what he did. He worked. And I, I, th- I know that my brother and I have talked about it often that, you know, we, we saw his work ethic and, you know, how, how meaningful of a, a model that was for us as, as we grew up. And um, so I, 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 I like to think, you know, we, we all have our influence, but I like to think I got a lot of my, my good traits from, from my dad. I probably got some bad ones too. So, uh, but uh, um, yeah, he, he, he was, he was huge for me. You talk about Dayton, Ohio and growing up. Uh, you also grew up with a brother who also made an impact in this game, both on and off the court. Wiggins around a Corzine pick. Valentine on him. Chicago by two. Over for Daly. Picked up by Paxson. Break away. Scores Jimmy Paxson again. Yeah. Well, Jim, Jim was far and away the better player. No question. But I, I always give him a hard time. I'll tell him, you know, you, you, you were a better player. You had two all-star appearances in the league. But I, I, I tell him I got the championship ring. So, yeah. Um, yeah so that's, that's for a little brother, that's a pretty good thing to hold on your older brother but no we we grew up it, it was it was pretty cool we, we grew up and people aren't going to un- understand this uh, there might be a handful of people know anything about Dayton but Dayton is a a basketball community <clears throat> and the University of Dayton back in the 50s when my dad played virtually every year they were you know the NIT was as big as the NCAA back then and, and Dayton was constantly in the NCAA, NIT tournament We'd go to the finals in New York and that type of thing. And the inter- interesting thing for us was this, was that there were a group of guys that went to the University of Dayton to play basketball there in, in the 50s. And they came from all different, you know, a lot of them, some came from New York, some fringe places in Ohio, but, but around. And all, all of them settled their roots in Dayton. They, they, after they were done, whether they, uh, you know, went on to play anywhere else, but got into business. They, they planted their feet in the Dayton community. And by what happened then was we went as kids, we grew up with, you know, all these, all these people, all their families. So I played on a, a state championship team in high school, my junior year. And we had six former Dayton Flyer uh, players, their, their sons, we played together. And it was just kind of a, a, a cool way of, 
of growing up and you, you felt a, a real sense of community, especially with the basketball world and, and you're in this little, little area. Uh, so, so it was, uh, it was cool. And then, you know, when you have an older brother who is so good and again, always displaying this work ethic that, you know, you see every day and you, you can't help, but just go, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to work hard and I've got to, you know, if I want to be something, if I want to succeed and achieve, I'm going to have to work like he, he worked. So J Jim was always a real, real positive influence for me in that way too, because I always saw him working. By the way, uh, I did look at a picture of the two of you on Google. And if not for Jim's mustache, I swear <clears throat> the two of you were twins. So seriously, who's better looking? <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not going there. So I'm not worried about that stuff, George. I'm 61. Doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Ever been to the Polina Market? If not, what are you waiting for? It's been Chicago's premier market for the finest meats and much more since 1949. Their steaks are top of the line, but there's also chicken, fish, and those mouth-watering sausages. And you might spend hours just perusing their frozen food section, all made fresh. And now the expanded Polina Market offers beer, wine, and sandwiches. It's become a one-stop shop, making your in-store experience well worth your time. And you can still order online. I've been shopping here since 1984. Polina Market is simply the best and conveniently located at 3501 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Check them out on their impressive website at polinamarket.com. No one, I mean no one, does hot dogs better than Vienna beef. That's because they've been doing them since 1893. Imagine biting into a delicious all-beef Vienna hot dog, dragged through the garden which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and celery salt, and just try that on one of their Polish sausages. Vienna products are available everywhere, from your supermarkets, restaurants, the ballparks, and zoos, just to mention a few, and you can purchase them online at ViennaBeef.com. And look for their farm acres chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. I want to go back to your days at Notre Dame. You were drafted, as you mentioned, by the Spurs. 1985, you signed the deal with Jerry Krause and the Bulls. You wind up playing on three championship teams, and you had the distinct thrill of hitting a game-winning shot in the last one. What was that like? comes out of this possession. You always put things in perspective, and that was a very difficult year for me. We had, uh, so we'd, we'd won 91-92. I played every game in 91. I played 79 games in 92. Then I had knee surgery to kind of scrape out some, some stuff in my, in my knee that summer between 92 and 93. And I didn't recover as well as I had hoped. And so we got into the training camp and right before, right as we were going through camp, I, you know, I, I was struggling a little bit. I wasn't playing great. And Phil decided at that time to start BJ. So, you know, I'd started on the first two championship teams and, uh, and then Phil, you know, made the call, which was, um, which was the right call. When you, when you look back, it was the right call to do. And so I'm, I'm sitting there trying to kind of get my rhythm and find myself and then we, 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 we didn't, we weren't playing great. It was the third time around and we had some struggles. Uh, Phil put me back in the starting lineup for a short period of time. And then we were in a game in Houston, I believe is in late January, early February. And I, I hurt my knee again and I had to fly back to, to Chicago and have it scoped. Well, if you remember back then, when you got to the playoffs, it's not like it is now you had to put a playoff roster in place 
And we had signed a couple of guys in that off season, some guards. We'd, we'd signed Trent Tucker. We'd signed Daryl Walker. Um, and given my injuries and the fact that I wasn't playing very well, I didn't know if I was going to be put on that, that playoff roster that year. Um, and it was something you couldn't change from series to series. Once, once the season ended and you set your roster, that was it. So they put me on and, you know, it just, uh, you know, again, we, we, we went through the playoffs and, you know, it was a bit of a struggle through all the, all the way through. And, uh, but we got to the Phoenix series. And so getting to play against them, you know, I, Phil always liked matching me up against Danny Ainge because he knew I'd stay locked in on him and, and guard him and BJ would guard Kevin Johnson. And so, and they played small a lot. So I got opportunities in that series that I hadn't gotten in the previous series and, and before that. So to even be in that position was, I was grateful for. And then, you know, when you're able to come through for your team and for your organization in a clutch situation, you know, that, it's like when you're a kid, I was the kid on the, in the driveway when I was growing up and I was practicing those shots, counting it down, trying to make the game winner. And that's what you, you, you kind of think about afterwards. So I'm proud of the fact that uh, for me, that that shot spoke to the resilience of that season for me personally, and really the resilience of the group, because we were tired. It was three straight years of playing into mid to late June. We were kind of beat up and, um, you know, it was, I, I, we were all kind of mentally, mentally spent after that. So the Bulls win three championships. Eventually you retire but then you begin a very interesting odyssey with the Bulls. You became an assistant for Phil Jackson. Guess what? The Bulls then recorded 72 win season and another title. This lasted one year and you went from the coach's bench to the broadcast booth. Why did you do that? Well, I, I, I realized early on when I was on Phil's staff that I wasn't made to be a, a coach. I just, I, I just knew it. Um, you know, I, I fulfilled my commitment that year and I enjoy, I learned, I learned so much because I love being around Phil and Tex Winter and Johnny Bach, Jim Clemens. They were, they were wonderful teachers of the game, but I just knew that, that uh, my mentality or my makeup wasn't suited for, for, for that. And, but, you know, you're around the game all the time and, 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 and Jerry had given me, you know, Jerry then gave me the opportunity to, you know, obviously to, to do some radio. And I, I, I loved radio. Like, I, you know, I, I got to work with Neil Funk, who is a, he, he's, he's one of the best and, you know, he, he's just retired in the last year, but I, I just, you know, I, I enjoyed the radio side of it. I, I, I liked the fact that you could kind of say your piece, get in and out. And Neil and I had an I seven flow to, to what we did. And he was so good at calling the game. So um, it just, it kept me a part of the organization. It kept me connected to the game. And I really did enjoy that, but uh, it's, you know, again, I, you look, how many, how many people have been given these opportunities that I've been given? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's why I say I'm very lucky. Well, yeah. I mean, after a seven year run as the Bulls radio analyst, you then replaced Jerry Krause as the GM. Of course, that's the man who signed you in 1985. Now, I don't know how to best phrase this, Pax, but you had both the luxury and misfortune of choosing four coaches while you were the Bulls GM. It's rather well known that you had a few issues with some of them. Was this simply <laughs> water meets oil? And did you ever consider being the coach of the Bulls? First of all, I, I, I say this all the time, and I believe this. Uh, hiring a, a head coach in this league, I believe, is the hardest thing that you do. You know, you, you can – you can go out and scout players and, and that type of thing. And I, I just think getting a leader for the, the, the group is, is just a really, really difficult thing to do. And again, I, I never, never thought I was made to be a coach. I, I just didn't think my personality lent itself to that. I, I, I didn't know how to handle it. So, so to ask if I, if I ever considered it, the only, the only time I ever considered it was if we made a change in season and, and I felt the responsibility to maybe go down there and do it, but that quickly vanished from, from my, my thinking. So, um, but I, I still, you know, even though, you know, you have some issues with, with coaches at times, I still have 
great respect for all the guys that that came through here. And you know, Tom Thibodeau, he he did a he did a heck of a job for us. And and you know, he and I have spoken several times since since he left. And I, I think, like anything, you know, as you go through experiences, you know, th- this is such a emotional business, and and everybody wants to win so badly that sometimes. You know, and, and you're so com- most people in this business are really competitive. And so, you, you know, you just you, you kind of you, you, you fight that every day and, and you want to see things you know, go well. But um, I, I have great respect for uh, for the guys that were through here. And, and I have great respect for the coaching profession. I, what these guys have to do, I, I mentioned a little while ago that, you know, that how organizations have so many more people and so many more layers that that goes for the head coach, too. He's. He's got so many more responsibilities than, than he once had in, in terms of having to, to deal with players and people on the outside. I mean, there's just a lot going on for these guys. So I think once you get it, when you get a really good leader, uh, it's, it's really, it's almost invaluable because they, 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 can, they can take care of all of the, the, the day-to-day things within a team structure. Uh, and then, you know, if you're in management, then you can go about your business of, of, you know, taking care of the other things. And I, and I'm a firm believer in this. I, people who've been around me know this. I have said it a million times that, you know, the, the mistakes, the, the majority of mistakes that, that I've been a part of have been kind of character mistakes. You, you miss on character, what that person's about. And, you know, when you do that, that's tough to overcome. So, um, but, but I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm respectful of, of all the guys that have been through and what they, what they tried to do for us. You're 61. You seem to be in a really good place right now. But do you envision getting back in the game? Because I would think you've got a lot left to give. I don't see myself ever going to work for anybody else but the Chicago Bulls. And we're in a, uh, you know, we're in a good place as an organization with the leadership that we have with our tourists. So, uh, no, I, I if I can continue to have some you know, impact or not even impact, probably the wrong word, but just uh, the fact that uh, I have, I guess what I have is organizational knowledge that goes back a long time. And I I think that can be a value. And like I said, my relationships with people are are really good. And um, I don't envision that I'm kind of a kind of a one team kind of guy. (laughs) And and I, that's, that's how I'm going to, going to remain. I, this, this organization's meant everything to me. And, um, I, uh, I want to, I want to be here when we get really good again. And, and hopefully that's not too far off. Well, we'll say it's 36 years and counting. I asked this final question to all my guests, if not for basketball, what would you have been? Great question. It's a great question. And I'm not so sure, George, uh, not so sure. I, I, I've once I got to playing in the league and, and I, and when I went to college at Notre Dame, I, I didn't, you know, I had an older brother who was in the league. So, you know, you're, you know, you aspire to that, but I, I didn't know what would happen. And, and I was always a survivor in the league. Like I, my, my whole goal was just get another year get, get one more year in, get a, you know, just keep surviving, keep, you know, and, I, I, there was a lot of competition along the way. So um, I'm not sure what I, I would have done. I, I, I guess if I had to reflect, I'd sit here and go, you know, I probably would have used my Notre Dame education and, and the contacts that, that university provides to, the, to, the, to their guys and uh, who knows. But I, basketball was what I grew up with. And, you know, my dad put a ball in our hands when we were little. He never, uh, he never really... He wasn't a dad that uh, that was there to critique us, um, to stand over us, but he gave us every opportunity to play. And I, for me, that's probably why I I, I was attracted to because my dad was not sitting there, you know, pounding on me. So um, I, I don't like to think what what uh, might have been. Um, I'm 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 just fortunate for what has been. It's worked out rather well. Thank you, John Paxson, for telling me a story I don't know. Thanks, George. My thanks to CBS Sports, TNT, Madison Square Garden, 
Trailblazers TV, and NBC Sports for those memorable highlights. And thanks as always to TJ Reeves for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his deft editing and mixing, and Nicholas Tochi for our graphic designs. And to our generous sponsors, Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do, and Raul Jewelers, top jewelers in the northwest suburbs on Barrington Road and Hoffman Estates. Come in as a customer, leave as a friend. Also, the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats and much more, and by the Vienna Beef Company, home of Chicago's hot dog and an institution since 1893. Tune in next week for another fascinating episode of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman. And that's all she wrote. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced. From the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support, the new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, Get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.